Hey, Jamie, do you like being cosy? I do. And do you like staying cosy? I like that even more. Then just heading over to www.staycosyclothing.com where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters, and much, much more. With a new line coming in the fall of this year. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at Stay Cozy Clothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Hi, I'm Jeremy Saffer, rock photographer. Listen to the Chronicles of Podcasts with Jamie and Tom as we chat photography, bands, gear, and of course, pineapples belong on pizza. Barbecue pineapple pizza. Check it out and check out the podcast now. Well, fondle my ass, boys. Welcome to hashtag WBW Way Back Wednesday. And these are the chronicles of Jeremy Saffer. Who's Jeremy Saffer, you ask? Jeremy is a rock and metal photographer. He is well-renowned in the rock and metal universe. He is also the manager for Living Dead Girl. Hence why we're thrown back this week, Jamie. Yes, we mentioned him with our wonderful guest, Molly Rennick, last week. So we thought, do you know what? For people that listened to that, I went, I like the sound of this, Jeremy. Sounds like an interesting man. Before we'd uh, let you know that he is an interesting man. Yeah, and you said that you must listen to this show. Was it, was it wherever you are, whoever you are, or something will happen to you? Yes. He doesn't know what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Something will happen to you, and yeah. it'll be your fault. You might eat an onion like an apple. Oh, could you imagine? Ooh. You, you, might, you might push a wheelbarrow up a chimney. Who fucking knows? Who knows? Is that possible? Yeah. You wouldn't get very far. <laughs> you probably get stuck. Probably. How the fuck did that one come to your brain? Push a wheelchair up the chimney. A wheelbarrow, not a wheelchair. That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Just this, this is how this works up here. But still. But still, yeah. Since we last spoke to Mr. Saffer, he has done some incredible things. He's back to shooting the old photography. He uh, did a shoot with Alice Cooper the other day. He did a shoot with Infected Rain with Lena Scissorhands, another former guest of ours. He's been a very busy boy. He was about to have his first gallery as well, which would have been incredible. Oh, no way. But unfortunately, that's been postponed to April of next year's now. Hooray! People that can get out to there, go check out Jeremy's page and go because if you if you can, because it's going to be incredible to see all of his, his photography out there. Just follow Jeremy Saffer at Jeremy Saffer on all social media. All of it. The lot. His artwork, his work is unreal. Unreal. He put some pictures on his Facebook today and his Instagram of Linus's hands and the shoot, the way he's done it, the techniques, the effects. Oh, it looks incredible. It looks like she's playing with smoke in her fingers and stuff like that. Incredible. It's really well done. The man's a legend. Amazing. Amazing. We do love this man. He's a true friend of the show. Jamie, any final words? Jeremy, you're a hero and I love you. Jeremy, thank you so much again for sitting down with us. We really appreciate it. And it was so much, it was a great conversation. We had so much fun. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the chronicles of Jeremy Saffer. Ladies and gents, today we have a first ever for our show. 
Today's guest has got to be one of the luckiest and most talented people I've ever met. If there's someone in rock and metal you like and admire, this man has probably met them and taken their photo. With a client list longer than both mine and Tom's arms put together, including at least one of our former guests on this very show. He's a teacher, a director, an author, but most notably a photographer. Welcome to the show, the wonderful and amazing Mr. Jeremy Saffer. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the Chronicle, sir. Absolute pleasure to have you here, Jeremy, seriously. Um, so, first and foremost, how has your last year been, sir? Uh, luckily, the book happened. So, I would have been doing a whole lot of nothing all year, if not for that book. And for Maria as well, who was just like, hey, you should come over to my house and shoot music video, which is how the new In This Moment video happened. Um, but I was really, really lucky in that when the pandemic did hit and I had nothing at all going on, I got hit with putting the book together, which took months and months and months and months, which wouldn't have been out when it came out if not for the pandemic, double-edged sword. But um, I got shot one, I get shot two in three days. So hopefully I'll be back to doing photo things in a couple of months. Fingers crossed. Do you not like, because obviously with photography, other than the band being together, you're quite far away anyway, aren't you? No, 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 no. I'm always like right up in your face. Oh, really? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm all over the place. <laughs> but, I mean, it depends on what you're shooting and how you're shooting it. Sometimes you'll shoot with a really long lens. Sometimes you'll shoot with, you know, a wide angle lens. Um, I'm usually right in the middle. I'm usually shooting 24 to 70 is my favorite lens to use. And now 2490 because Leica. But um, yeah, sometimes I'll be, you know, those, those headshots you see where it's just a yeah. face taking up the whole frame. Yeah. I'm not far away for that. It's literally like what there. <laughs> uh, the lens could be this close to someone's face. That's absolutely. insane. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had a weird image of you picking a, a camera with a lens on, but the lens is so long that you're really struggling to lift it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I very rarely shoot with that kind of lens unless I'm shooting like a drummer, you know, from uh, a drummer on stage far back. That's when I'll pop that lens on and get those shots. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. So obviously you've mentioned the book, but uh, obviously with being locked away and stuff, has there been any, ever like learned a language or taught yourself anything new at all? Or was it literally just book, 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 book the whole time? Uh, the book took up a good chunk of time, but the book came out in October. So since then I've been kind of looking at new equipment, looking at new types of lighting, looking at all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I started a Patreon where I do a lot of kind of behind the scenes. And because I don't have new shoots, I get to dig into my archive. So, for example, I pulled out a, I think, 2012 motionless and white photo shoot. And I dug into all these shots that never came out. And I re-edited all the shots that were out, broke down every single image in terms of this is the lighting, these were the settings on my camera, this is the story behind the shoot, this is how we shot it, you know, this light, this light, this light, behind the scenes shots of me doing the shoot, that kind of stuff. So I've been doing a lot of that on the Patreon, which has been fun. And uh, awesome. yeah, other than that, just messing with gear. Nice, so for you to be able to make a note of like what settings you're using, do you just remember that or do you like make a note from like every shoot you do? So luckily, uh, metadata means you take a photo and then you press the I button in Lightroom and it tells you what you use because I would have no clue. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, in terms of lighting, I do know the lighting I used uh, in most shoots. And that's why I do behind the scenes photos. And that's why anytime I do a photo shoot, when I'm doing a shot, I'll do, you know, the regular shot, but then I'll put on a, a wide lens. I'll zoom out so you get the whole 
you know, the whole scene and I'll take one shot. So I remember, okay, this is what I did for lighting. This is what the setup was. And I have that photo in the photo shoot for me to, you know, remember what I did. That's very clever. That's amazing. <laughs> I was going to say, I was worried your memory is going to be like his for a minute then, because this man has the scariest memory I've ever known on the man. Oh, dude, no, I'm like Dory at best. <laughs> I like that. That's good. So take <laughs> us back, sir. Was was photography always the plan for you or was it something you sort of fell into? Totally fell into it. Um, I was a musician. So I started off as a guitarist. <clears throat> My dream growing up was, you know, be a rock star. So age like 10, I picked up a guitar. 12, I started lessons with um, a dude who lived on my street named Ollie Herbert, who became the guitarist of All That Remains, you know, later on. But he was my guitar teacher growing up. I was in a bunch of, you know, metal and death metal bands. And we would sometimes open up for bigger bands and I would take pictures, you know, with a disposable camera. That's how I started, disposable cameras. Amazing. uh, Yeah, kind of a funny story. When I started getting photo passes, you know how tickets, when you get a ticket for a show, it says, you know, no cameras, no video, that kind Mm. of thing. I didn't realize that didn't mean photographers who have photo passes. So I would roll up to a show with like 10 disposable cameras and shoot a show like that, thinking that's how it's done. That's how I started when I was like 14. <laughs> I had no idea. Sort of, is that what you wind it afterwards? So it's like, yeah, shit, yeah. I'm winding it. Like, fuck, fuck, that's a really good shot. Come on, come on. <laughs> it, exactly. So, so I'm in the photo pit, 14 years old, taking fo- uh, 14, 15 years old, taking pictures with a disposable camera, wondering like looking at every other photographer with professional equipment going, how did they get that in here? And they're looking at me with like, how did he get in here? And I'm just like, well, (laughs) and none of them helped me out. None of them were like, by the way, you have a photo pass so you can get a real camera. But uh, basically what happened, I I went to Berkeley school of music when I was 18 and that was my dream. My dream was to go to Berkeley, become a rock star, that kind of thing. And I started to hate playing music. Because my thing was I could play metal, right? But you try to get me to play blues? No. So I I was like in, what was it? Jazz ensemble, blues ensemble, something like that. And I had a seven string BC Rich Warlock. And if you know, that's a very Mm. spiky, evil looking guitar. My guitar strap was giant spikes coming out of it because I'm a black metal dude. And I'm playing this riff, whatever it is from like red suede shoes blue suede shoes whatever the standard is and the teacher's like can you play that with a little more souls and i'm like dude i have a seven string warlock my guitar eats souls what what am i supposed to i don't know how to play it with more soul and i just kind of hit a wall there where i was just so frustrated and the way i blew off that frustration was going to shoes and shooting shows that by that time i had a real camera i wasn't shooting disposables anymore thank you (laughs) Uh, yes i learned But um, so I basically hit a wall. And after two semesters, I talked to the dude who got me into shooting shows. Um, His name's Scott Lee, great dude. And I was basically like, I don't know what to do. This has been my trajectory, you know, since I was 10 was to become, you know, go into music. And he was just like, what do you want to do? What do you like to do? I'm like, shoot shows, shoot concerts, take pictures. He's like, do that. And it never occurred to me to be something I could actually do not just for fun, not just because I'm a fan. Because, you know, why, why do people get into the music industry? Because they're fans of music, right? So I would cover shows, you know, not necessarily shows where I love the band every time, but 
I loved getting that experience of being like, like how, how cool is it that you get to be the closest fan to the band? The fans behind you bought tickets. They're behind you. You're closer. You know, that's mm. such a kind of nerdy little thing to have in your pocket. Like, oh, I'm, you know. But uh, yeah, so after that, I kind of dove into it, started touring a bit. Um, then I went to photo school, which was a 10-month photo school called the Hallmark Institute of Photography. Unfortunately, they're uh, no longer open. Oh. But it was kind of like the, the four years in 10 months kind of thing. Wow. So I jumped off OzFest, did my 10 months at school, went right back on OzFest, but instead of shooting on auto and not knowing my settings, not knowing anything, I went back knowing everything about photography because they really taught you the foundation. It was all on film, like the first, from the fall all the way up until I think February or March, you were on film and you weren't even touching digital. So I learned basically the foundation of photography on film, which I think is really, really important when you're a photographer. So you're not just learning just the newest tech, you're also learning basics of photography yeah. mm. which is really really important and I went back knowing lighting and the cool thing was when I was at school I had bands coming into the school to do photo shoots so like my family portrait was bleeding through and uh you know tour buses were coming up to the school and the school didn't know what to do they're like why is there a tour bus here but yeah that's I just amazing. got way way into it and that's that's how I kind of put down my guitar and picked up a camera and I'm still in the music industry and I'm still you know in that world uh, I'm just a photographer instead of a guitarist, I guess. So fucking, I had an, I had an image in my head of you being like, when you first started, like, you know, so the disposables, and then when you come back out of school, you're like flipping around, like taking shots midair and like, you know, <laughs> through the legs, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that's unbelievable. Sorry, Jamie. I was going to say, see. No, I, I, I just don't think I have the physical dexterity for that. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So you're saying you came off tour from Ozfest to then do that and then go back. How did you get to tour with Ozfest in the first place? Was that off your own back or was that like hired to do? It, it was all, all about who you know, having friends on the tour. You know, touring with one of the bands on the tour, you end up meeting the other bands on the tour. And uh, one of the bands I toured with the most back in the day was All That Remains. Awesome. You know, Ollie being my guitar teacher, they're from my town, you know, they're all close friends. So I did a lot of years on the road with them just touring as a photographer. And at one time, uh, one of my closest friends was uh, Shannon, their drummer, who's no longer their drummer, but he was my roommate as well. So it was just joining my, my roommate on tour, which was fun. Amazing. Do you miss it at the moment with COVID and everything? Uh, I haven't toured since I think 2011 <laughs> or 12. Uh, oh, wow. I the Bear once. That was my last tour. Because oh, I really yeah. don't do live photography as much as I do portrait photography. Um, I still shoot live every now and again, but portraiture is definitely my main thing rather than concert photography. And in terms of touring, you're kind of, you get this, you know, this is your weekly rate. This is what you do every day. This is, this is your thing. But for me, it was more about doing photo shoots. So the last tour I did with Iwabo, I brought my lights with me and I was like, okay, there's a cool location over here. I'm going to break out my lights. We're going to do a photo shoot. And we ended up doing something like 15 photo shoots during the tour. And it was oh, so wow. much fun. And uh, the Chariot was on the tour. So I did shoots with them. Uh, I set to kill uh, Chelsea Grin, Vanna. And I know I'm forgetting somebody. It was such a fun tour. But Dude. that's when I was way more into portraiture. And I kind of figured out, okay, if I'm getting 
this month, this much a week doing live photos where you really kind of shoot the same thing every day. It's the same show every day, you know, and you come up with different ways to shoot it and how to get kind of different material every time you shoot, you're still shooting the same thing. And to me, that's just kind of, if it was like such a crazy production show, which nothing, nothing against Iwabo, their show's amazing, but it's not like they have, you know, backup dancers, a big theatrical show. It's like, they play a concert. They're not doing a show. Um, If I was on tour with a band like, you know, Rammstein, Iron Maiden, in this moment, Metallica, they put on insane shows. Mm. And that would be something I would be totally keen to do. But in terms of touring with a band, I don't think I would do it again, just because you're shooting the same thing over and over. I love concert photography, but that's definitely not my main, main thing as portraiture is. And I would want to do like photo shoots all the time, which sometimes you can do. Um, But yeah, I I really kind of over time had that kind of the scales of, you know, shooting concerts versus portraits and those scales definitely flipped. So it's like like it's a hierarchy, I take it. So it's like live shots now, portraiture is like the top level where people come to you, I take it, to be like, do people come to you with that? Do they go, oh, could you shoot this? You know, do we have this idea? What do you think about it? Or do you go, well, I've got this and this idea. What do you think of this? It's always different. Every single shoot is a completely different animal because sometimes you're reaching out to a band. Sometimes a magazine's reaching out to a band. A label's reaching out to you. A band's reaching out to you. And it all comes together differently. Sometimes it's all on the photographer. Sometimes it's 100% the artist to come up with like, here's our idea. Here's what we want to do. Make it happen. You know, here's how we want you to light it. Here's how we want you to shoot it. And you just basically take their words and make it visual. And then other times it's very collaborative and that it's more collaborative more so than anything else. It's more so like you have an idea, you bounce it off the band and they say, yes, let's do this, this, and this and do this differently. And you kind of work it out. And then sometimes it's done on the spot where it's like, you know, you have a photo shoot set up for a magazine and you don't know what's going to happen. You have no contact with the band prior to the shoot you show up and you go okay here's the idea and you just do it and you roll with it and do whatever you want to do that's awesome. really that's really cool that's got to take some real like on the spot thinking i imagine because like some band walks in and goes so jeremy what do you want to do you like uh uh hold this i don't know <laughs> you never go into a photo shoot blind I, and maybe when you first start you do but i think once you've done photography for a bit you kind of look at the band, you look them up, you do your research, you see what they look like, you have an idea of their visuals, you know not to take behemoth into a brightly colored, you know, pink (laughs) background kind of situation. And, you know, you know, light it dark, like it light it metal, make it look cool. Um, Yeah, you kind of have an idea before you go in. And so when I do a shoot, say I have a photo shoot at my local venue, the Palladium, with we'll say behemoth um i'll know okay are we doing this shoot before doors or are we doing the shoot after doors do we have access of the whole venue or are we stuck with a dressing room with a band like behemoth they do their makeup directly before stage so you really can't do a photo shoot with them before doors are open whereas you're like okay cool i can use the floor of the venue i can use the stage i can use the front of the the venue i can use the parking lot i can use anywhere as opposed to doors open, okay, we have the dressing room, that's it. And if you know you're going into the dressing room and you've been there before, you're like, okay, what lights am I going to bring to make it look not like a dressing room? Because I think the the ideal thing to do when you're doing a photo shoot 
is to make it look like it's not where it is. Unless you have a really cool location, you're usually shooting at a venue. You know, you're like on the floor of a venue on the stage or dressing room of a venue and you don't want it to look like a green room photo. Like, hey, we're on this shitty couch a thousand bands have shot on, you know, 50,000 times. Here's our, you know, <laughs> stage clothes. Here's, here's our beers. Here's our dirty laundry. Let's make a cool photo. And it's kind of like, you have to have in mind what you're going to do before you go into it for sure. So I kind of have it. Okay, we're going to shoot on the floor with a single light. We're going to shoot on the floor with three lights. We're going to go over to the stage and shoot with a ring light. We're going to do solo shots with the ring light. We're going to go up to the dressing room and do a single light shot with lighting from above. And then we're going to call it a day. And that's all we need. So I always go in with that kind of do, 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 you know. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So cool. I imagine with bands like Guar, do they come in and basically go, right, we're going to need about seven hours to get ready. Uh, <laughs> we'll be with you shortly. So like, okay. And you just have to sit there and wait for them to get sorted or are they not fussed? Because there are quite a lot. I've noticed like Mortis, Ghost, they obviously all have makeup and everything else. So I take it they have to get ready first before you can shoot them. Absolutely. And that goes two different ways. Sometimes if the shoot's important enough and big enough, they will get ready, you know, well before they have to get oh, ready. Awesome. So you have enough time to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, or they'll, you know, do it on a day off or, you know, do it early in the day, get out of it, relax, do their thing and then get into it again. Um, every single time I've shot Guar, it's been them on the way to stage. Except for the one I just posted, actually, the one with fence in it. Um, yeah, that, that shoot, uh, I love yeah. that so much. <laughs> so fun. Uh, that shoot, they were at a horror convention, and they just finished a signing. And they do their signings in costume, of course. So they do the signing. They came over to the set and then, you know, went back to the venue, got, you know, comfortable. Uh, I think Odorous had a full day that day because they were doing a lot of Holliston stuff, the TV show he was on. So he was okay. doing interviews, he was doing all that stuff, but everybody wow. else got to just relax. Yeah. Um, but every other time I've shot Guar, Slipknot, uh, mo most bands like that, it's directly before stage, but instead of them getting ready at like 8 o'clock, they get ready at 7.15 kind of thing. So I get to have that 5, 10 minutes, whatever, to do the photo shoot before they go on. Amazing. That's really cool. So how did you get your breakthrough to get where you are now? Because as I said, you know, you've worked with everyone. Was it like one specific suit, shoot you did that people jumped on or was it just, I don't know, through time? I think social media, actually. Social media was really the thing that kind of got me out there. Um, I don't think there's any one specific shoot that kind of broke it because I had been friends with some really decently well-known bands like my first band shoot was, you know, bleeding through Lacuna Coil and A Life Once Lost, stuff like that. Nice. And that was, you know, my first shoots before I had any idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so having that in your portfolio when you're first starting is always a good thing. Um, I think the thing that really kind of elevates you to the next level, not in terms of the quality of your image, but in terms of you being known, is definitely who you shoot and people seeing that so having you know my chem blow up on i'm not okay and their main image on myspace saying you know photo by jeremy saffer on it yeah my myspace is where i forgot the first you know uh, okay. my chem avenged 18 visions all those bands oh. having my name under them 
back then when right as they were starting to break was always you know a good thing and then you'll see that go in waves because you know that was one era and that era is long gone you know even though we all want my chem back of course because that's going to be amazing um that's not what's popular with the younger generation right now so if say i did i don't know who's super popular right now like a Lil Nas shoot and my credit was under his photo that would you know do the same thing kind of level me to this whole new audience just as it did with you know motionless and white in this moment new year's day that kind of stuff so as I continue shooting and working with these new bands who kind of go up and up and up it also takes my name with them into their fan bases and so I still just just like any other band um, I hold on to the old fan bases because I still have those those photos and I you know get introduced to new fan bases with the bands i work with didn't even think about that like you know as you're saying that with my chem and avengers like there must be quite a few bands you've done shoots with and then later on the line you've gone wow you have skyrocketed since we first met you know it, it's awesome and it's like it's really cool when for example new year's day that's that's a great example they're a band i met when they were first relaunching into their kind of like goth era put it about to put out their first album i actually shot the cover and the band photos for their first album even though it's not their first album their first album (laughs) you know it's always the way first album's their third album yeah exactly um but it's amazing to see them go from there to where they are now and like a day to remember um if you see right here this giant yellow chunk behind me is for those who have heart and i shot the cover all the the band photos for that album and, you know, while I was photographing them back then, they were playing VFW halls on the floor to 30 people. And now they're playing arenas. And, like, it's insane. Like, I was talking to Alex about it. When he came to the photo shoot for for the, the for those who have heart photo shoot, his dad had to bring him up because he was, like, 15 at the time. And now he's about to be a dad, and he's in his 30s. And it's just yeah. like, dude, what is time? Me. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Like, they just... From from floor shows to arenas in like two years, they they just blew oh. up and they were so good, such a great band. Like uh, that album came out and I'm like, everybody, you need to listen to this band. They're incredible. They're like, if Newfound Glory and Barrier Dead got into a fight and it was awesome, check it out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what are your? Uh, have you listened to the new album? You're welcome. Yeah, I've listened to it. Um, I got to give it more spins, but it's it's super catchy. So I love it, right? interesting. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people are hating on it, though. I've noticed loads of people not like it because it's too... They're going too mainstream, too poppy now. It's like, they're still pretty... They're my, my favourite band, one of my favourite bands ever. I love A Day to Remember so much. Oh, nice. And they just go from strength to strength to strength, I think. Like, I love I love the new album. I've listened to it so many times, I, I just can't get enough. Well, if you listen to the new album, there's definitely aspects of the first album on there. Like, exactly. If you listen to For Those Who Have Heart, there are poppy like vocal lines in there and that exists now yeah thank you jeremy thank you <laughs> yeah, well thank thank the other jeremy thank jeremy mckinnon he's an he's oh, awesome. oh, such a I'd rad dude to, i'd love to get him on here sorry we'll carry on anyway <laughs> um what's the most like unusual prop you've ever had to use in a photo shoot that you've gone that'll be really cool to use well, there's definitely been many times that shoot included where I run to Home Depot and grab like chains and bats and, you know, hammers. And they're just like, do I need to call the police in a week? Or like, <laughs> you know, 
I, I actually have the bat from the cover of that album. I have them all sign it, and I have it uh, in the other room, which is pretty no cool. No way. Yeah, yeah. I keep a lot of the props because they're just cool memories. I did a book with Ash Costello called Till Death where it was similar, where I was buying, you know, a shovel, duct tape, a bat, <laughs> all sorts of, like, you know, stuff to destroy Christy Kay's life with because the, the whole book is kind of a comedy, kind of like she's beating him up, doing terrible things to him. It's like a Adam's family kind of thing. And um, yeah, same thing. You're checking out and they're just like, well, do do I need to alert the authorities or like what's going on here? But uh, I, I don't think there's any like super unusual props I can think of beyond just, you know, really concerning my local Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> so... Can you remember who the first like band artist person, whatever it was, that you sort of had to like pinch yourself and be like, "Am I seriously working with this person right now? What is what is my life?" So that happens all the time, but it, the the whole thing is just having that game face, you know, not letting them see it. Um, it it's definitely surreal. Not so much when you're doing the photo shoot because I get into this thing like this like zone where I'm just thinking the lighting, the posing, and people kind of laugh at it because I'm very directional. I'm not a photographer who has a band go on the set and I go, okay, just look metal. Okay, you know, be goofy. I'm very like, chin up, turn your face this way, This, this, uh, turn your left shoulder in, turn your chin up a little bit, turn your face toward the light a little bit, you chin up, turn your face this way, rotate this way a little bit. You, you know, I'm very like, that's how I do. I'm very making sure the shots look good and people are sometimes kind of laugh at it because they're like no one talks to this band like this and you you do you just direct them it's great and i get that feedback from the bands themselves which is great they're like no photographers ever direct us thank you this is awesome you know what you want you know how to make it look good we want to work with you again you know what you're doing this is awesome because uh, I guess a lot of photographers aren't very directive. I, I am because I'm just in that zone and I know I need to make sure the lighting looks good, the shot looks good, everything's 100% because I got, you know, sometimes one minute to get that shot. So I'm not thinking of, oh, you know, Megadeth's in front of me, which is always the coolest thing in the universe. But it's like, okay, I need to make sure these shots look good so they can use them so it looks awesome for them. So it, it doesn't really go like, oh my God, this is awesome. It's, it kind of happens after where you're like, Oh, cool. Every single Megadeth press release for the last five years has my photo on it. That's awesome. You know, so oh, there's cool. bootleg CDs with my photos as the cover. I'm going to buy a bootleg because my photo's on the cover. You know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. But um, yeah, and like Alice Cooper, how can you not be like, oh my God, Alice Cooper's in front of me right now. That's so awesome. But you just got to stay on point. Even better, Alice Cooper and Johnny Depp and Joe Perry at the same time. You're just like, that's wow. insane. Yeah. Johnny Depp is photo bombing my photo shoot with Alice Cooper right now. Okay. <laughs> just a regular just website. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, Johnny Depp walks in this set and he's just like, I'm, I'm having a day. I hope you have some Vaseline for your lens. And I'm just like laughing. I'm like, homie, you're like a national treasure to every woman in the universe. So you're, you're fine. <laughs> we start doing the photos. <laughs> that is so cool, man. So yeah, it's so, all about having that game face. Absolutely. <laughs> I get it because we do it sometimes like before we do an interview, we're like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to this person. Oh my God, mm -hmm. we're going to talk to this person. Then as soon as we press record, we're like, professional. And then as soon as it finishes, exactly. we phone each other and we're like, oh my God, that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do it after Absolutely. this trip, don't worry. 
Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> nice. I think the coolest thing is um, sometimes I'll get phone calls for, or emails or, or whatever and have to talk on the phone with some of the people I've looked up to since I was 10 years old. And, you know, when you look up to a band when you're young, you kind of watch all their interviews, you watch all the yeah. kind of behind the scenes stuff. And it, you're kind of on the phone with them and you start zoning out for a second going like, this person I've watched on TV for like 20 years is talking to me on the phone right now. And that's the voice coming out of my phone and they have my phone number and they're calling me and that's cool. <laughs> oh wait, what are they? What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got you. <laughs> that's a point actually. The phone book on your phone must be insane. <laughs> oh, remember who was it? Was it uh, Paris Hilton? Her phone got hacked and all of her uh, contacts got leaked. It was years ago. Mm, and then uh, the, the big one that got leaked was Fred Durst and everyone was just hitting him up. And he was just like, stop calling me. Oh, <laughs> damn it, Paris, I got to change my number. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we briefly mentioned it a minute ago and I've got to ask about this. The Facebook post you put the day with Guar and the fence, it, mm-hmm. I was roaring with laughing reading that. You must have so many stories like that of we've, different bands just silly fun shit is there any particular like really fun stories that come to your mind with, with different bands see and here's the thing and this goes back to me being dory i didn't think of that story or remember that story at all i was flipping through like i need something to post today and, and you know it, it didn't even occur to me that it was like days before the anniversary of dave's passing and i was just going through like oh w- what are why they have the fence? Uh, oh my God. I remember. So I, I take the photo, I pop it in there. I start typing out and remembering the story and it just all comes back to me. If I'm put on the spot with like, what's a fun story? I'm like, let me look at photos one second. You know, like I can't, it, it doesn't come back to me until I'm looking at the photos until they're in front of me where the visual cues kind of remind me of what happened that day. You know, yeah, it, it's, it's really difficult to, to, yeah, Dory. Like I said, I'm the most forgetful person ever. But I, I know one of the fun stories was destroying a hotel room with a Kuna coil. Um, we were doing a shoot for a shoe company called Draven. They did all those Misfits shoes back in the early 2000s, the ones where, you know, half the skull was on one, half the skull was on yes. the other. You put them together, you got the skull. You know, every single metalcore band on the uni- in the universe had them. They made like Misfits pumps, Misfits everything. Um, we did a shot where she was in a bathtub and then we dyed the bathtub black with RIT, which is clothing dye. So it would look like she's just in this black bathtub. And, you know, we put handprints all over the walls and it looks so cool. And it, it apparently dyed her cuticles black for like a week. <laughs> and the hotel called me like after, cause I paid a cleaning bill for it. And they're like, yo, never come to our hotel again. I'm like, all right, all right sorry. <laughs> Oops. Wow. Worth it. Good photos. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, hotel. <laughs> I paid the cleaning bill. It is what it is. <laughs> That's um, amazing. So why do you rarely convert to black and white? Because the Corey Taylor photo and the Claudio Sanchez photos are unbelievable. And I feel like you should be doing more with that because they look stunning, man. So why don't you use it very often? Um, I did when I shot film because film would come as black and white or color, you know, so if I shot a black and white roll, it was black and white and there was nothing I could do to, to change it. But for me, I just always like color more. I always like the, the colors coming out of shots and I even mute the colors a lot in my photos. You'll see they're not, there's not a lot of like really bright poppy colors in my photos. Mm -hmm. 
so they're kind of in the middle of color in black and white and when I go full black and white I feel like you I, I lose a lot of what I like in the photos okay but it also depends on how it's exposed I think if you're shooting natural light very very open f-stop like 1.2 like those shots of Corey and the shot of Claudio I think those translate to black and white really well I think if you take one of my images that shot at like f8, f10, where it's not just like eyes are in focus, but the whole thing is sharp, yeah. like everything's sharp, I think in black and white, it doesn't add to it. It just takes away from it. It doesn't really look, it doesn't have that aesthetic. I think natural light shots definitely do. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've always been like, okay, if I shoot it in black and white, it's in black and white. If I shoot it in color, it's in color. Okay. Personal, it's just... That's all right. That's fair, that's fair enough. I mean, the vibe I got from it was just, it was very real. It was like, um, the emo you could see the emotion in it sort of thing, especially with Corey's one. So that's, that's why I was curious because I just, well, as soon as I looked at it, I was like, that, is, that scream is power. It's so powerful without meaning to be, I feel. It's, I don't know. That's just what I took away from it. So, Yeah, I love that shot of Corey. That was shot at uh, Chicago Open Air. I was doing that cover for Metal Hammer where it's like Corey and Randy. Actually, I actually have a funny story about that one. Brian Randy. <laughs> All right. So it, that, that cover had everybody on it, like Dave Mustaine, um, Scott from Anthrax, Papa from Ghost, Elisa from March Enemy. You know, it had everybody on the cover because it was their 300th cover. But one of the funny things was that was a big, big, big cover for them, of course. Um, their editor, Merlin, flew over from England. And this was the first time I was meeting him, and they hired me to do the shoot because I knew I had a good rapport with a lot of those bands. Yeah. And so I'm there just doing stuff, doing all the shoots. We have this little tent backstage where we're doing all the photo shoots. And, you know, we're, we're two tents away from Blackcraft where Blackcraft is doing a bunch of interviews with bands. Corey and Randy are, are doing their shots together. They're, they come in, they're walked in by security and Randy stops and he just kind of hobbles. He's like, dude, what's up, Saffer? How's it going? You know, it's, and then he starts doing photos of me. Like with his, because we're both photographers and we're both good friends. Okay. So he starts doing photos of me and Merlin's just laughing. And like his entire security crew is just like, and his, his, the, the manager, the, whoever from management was there trying to kind of wrangle them over to Blackcraft was like, Randy, we, Blackcraft first, that next. He's like, no, hold on. And he's doing photos of me. <laughs> Actually, the, the photo of me, that's the black and white photo of me with my mustache and all oh, that yeah. was done by him. The one that's uh, nice. in my book and whatnot. Uh, so he, they go do their interview. They come back and Merlin's like, dude, he's wearing a hat. He's wearing flip flops. Is there any way we can get him in shoes and to take off his hat? You know, just it, it's a cover. We want it to look good. And Randy's like, no, I'm not changing for wait, Saffer. What do you think? I'm like, honestly, it's going to be a full body. It's going to be a cover. You with your hair down is iconic. I think the shoes will look better than flip flops. Um, it's totally up to you, dude. And he's like, I won't do it for any of you, but Saffer. And that looks so, so good crazy. in front of Merlin. It looks so good. It was so great. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the same day I was doing the photo shoot with John Davis and uh, his tour manager came over and he was like, there's no way the shoot is happening. We can't do this shoot. There's no chance. We're not getting John over here to do this. It's not happening. And Merlin's like, hey, we have a problem. Come, come to set. I walked to set and his tour manager is Sebastian Pouquet. He did that in incredible film called Mind Over Matter, which everyone should see. It's a film about a guitarist with cerebral palsy learning to play guitar 
and he started wow. a band called the Mendenhall Experiment, uh, Experiments, Experience, Experiment, Experiment. It's really, really good. An incredible documentary and amazing filmmaker. But he turns around, and he goes, oh, it's Saffer? We got this. We'll do it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and I, I had to bring my set to them, which is fine. I'm, I'm used to doing that. So I bring the set to the building, you know, set up, get ready to go. Davis is, you know, going back and forth, pacing, like, I don't want to do this shoot. I don't want to do shoots during during days where I have a show. Only do shoots on off days. I, I don't want to do this. You know, if it's only going to take a few minutes and I'm fine, but like, I really don't want to do this. He looks in and goes, oh, it's Safford? All right, this is going to be fine. We got this. And he walks in and it's just like, thank you all for making me look so good in front of the editor. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, yeah, you, you can't pay for that kind of like, you know. Oh, I bet, I bet it's just like, yep. So, where do you want to go? Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the cover came out great. And I actually did another cover with Corn where we did uh, Stranger Things, which was really, really cool for us, oh, uh, Metal Hammer. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just try, I just try that down. I love yeah, the fact yeah, that we. I just yeah, I love the fact we've had two guests now. Both have told amazing Randy stories. He is the best dude ever, for real. He actually have... wrote the um the intro to my book as well. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing. Because yeah, yeah, we people. had Melissa Cross on the show, who's a vocal coach. Yep. Yeah, and um she talked about going through like sex shops in New York with Randy <laughs> and stuff like that. I was like, this is just wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. So, no, I love Randy this... so much. I, I love that you also do like seminars to teach people how to do this themselves. What, how did you get into doing that? And what sort of things do you teach people? So early on, I had a lot of trouble learning. Obviously if I spent the first two years shooting on disposable cameras, no one was helping me out and telling me don't do that. So I reached out to a couple of photographers who are really, really big name photographers um asking for advice and they gave me really snarky criticism trying to shut me down as a photographer like that's how it worked back then a lot of the photographers kept their their stuff as like you know these are secrets that I do not share with other people I'm not going to help you out kid good luck learn it on your own like I did and I don't have that mentality I have a we all rise together you know if you need help getting up here I'm reaching down grab my hand if I need help getting up there, I'm reaching up, help me up. You know, I think that's how it should always be. So really early on, I got into doing seminars, probably a little too early, but like, I always wanted to teach what I knew. I wanted to make it so people who wanted to do what I do didn't have to go through all the struggles I went through. I don't consider it like, oh, what do they call it? Paying your dues kind of thing. Everyone's going to have to do that in one way or another, but it's not necessary for people to go through learning things the hard way when they can learn it, you know, and be helped with it. So I got into that super early and I've always thought like, you know, teaching people how to do what I do is awesome. More photographers is a good thing. And there's so many now it's insane. It's, it's awesome. Everybody's creating and it's great. So yeah, I got into it and I just kept doing it. Of course, like I haven't been able to do it last year or this year, which is a bummer, which is why I started the Patreon. I've kind of put seminar stuff on there rather than doing them in person. Um, I miss it. I love doing seminars. It's a lot of talking, but like, it's fun because it's usually two, eight to 10 hour days. It's, it's long. Oh, but, um, 
yeah, it, it's brutal, but I, I basically take everything I know and load it to people. And then, uh, you know, that's day one. Day one is words and slideshows and teaching them everything I know. Day two, I set up lights. I have a band come in. A band does a real life photo shoot with me. So they get kind of get an idea of how I shoot aside from seeing it in words, seeing it in person. And then the camera gets handed off to them. Okay, I'm the tour manager. You have two minutes. Do a photo shoot with this band. Tell me what you want for lighting. Go. You know, and That's so they incredible. get to do photo shoots with the bands and kind of learn firsthand. And it's really cool because they don't do just one set. They do like six to 10 sets with different lighting, different backgrounds, outdoors, indoors, with a, usually a pretty well-known band. And not only does it build their portfolio, but it builds their confidence. And that's the hardest thing to build when you're a photographer. Going into a shoot and knowing, okay, I have the confidence to walk in and go, I know what I'm doing. This is what I want you to do to make the shot look good. I think that's something that comes with the more you do it, the more you get that confidence. So this is just a massive confidence boost for those students to really get that first experience or you know another experience in to really kind of hone in what they're doing. And I have people that take the seminars like three, four, five times because they love it. And, you know, every time they do it, they get better and better and better. And it's so awesome seeing so many of them go on to lead incredible careers as photographers. That's absolutely That's, unbelievable. And fair, yeah. but if I was wearing a hat, I'd tip it because that, like you say, a lot of people, especially in an industry like that, it's like, you know, if I teach you how to do it, you could be better than me and then you're going to take my jobs. So... <laughs> You know, it's a fair play. I really commend that. See, like I said at the start, you're an awesome dude. So obviously not not only do you photography, you mentioned at the start as well about doing in this moment's music, latest music video. Mm-hmm. How, how did that come back doing music videos? What's the process like for that? Was that like a big change or was it a lot easier to translate than you expected? Maria is the most incredible human being in that she does you know how I talked about all of us rising together she's that person she brings people with her on her adventures and helps them learn helps them expand and she's definitely done that for me a whole bunch like I'm not a graphic designer I'm a photographer the first big graphic design I did was the in this moment Black Widow album cover where I took a photo of her that was her with a terrible background of a wall standing on a box and recreated the entire background, added rain, made it look all Sin City-ish. And, you know, it took hours and hours and hours. And then I accidentally saved it too small so it couldn't be used and I had to redo it again. (laughs) (laughs) Learning experience. But it was one of those things where she hit me up. She's like, so I want you to do this album cover and this is how I want it to look. I'm like, I don't know how to do it. And she's like, oh, that's fine. You can figure it out. You know, she has that confidence in in the people she believes in. And I'm lucky, really, really lucky to be one of those people. So I was planning out a photo shoot with her because she doesn't live too far from me, you know, not far at all. So she was coming to the studio to do a photo shoot. And she's like, oh, by the way, when we do this photo shoot, let's shoot a music video for the song Fighter. And I'm like, so I don't know how to do that. Oh, you'll figure it out. It's fine, honey. You You know, and I was just like, well you know what? I learned how to be a graphic designer. I'm going to learn how to figure out how to do a music video. And it was like, I've been on music video sets as a photographer. I know it's like 16 hour days, you know, insane long days, um, tons of setup, tons of stuff. We shot that video in 45 minutes with a ring light and two side lights and that's it. And it was just five playthroughs, not 30 or 40 or 50. Just Me, her, a light, a camera, 
me just directing just a little bit, but that was all her just going all out, getting emotional with the song and just absolutely killing it. And so I've done a few music videos since and um, she hit me up, you know, mid pandemic. She knows my situation. She knows my partner. She knows we're not leaving the house. We're not going anywhere with your, with Tara. We, you know, the two of us, her and her partner, Joe, just been at the house. They haven't gone out. We're both very safe. And this was like, midsummer like maybe may or june something like that she's like hey so you need to learn how to use a gimbal and this is the idea for the video and yeah just come to my house and we'll shoot it and you know easy enough she doesn't live far away so we planned it out i had uh randy was telling me forever you need to try leica you need to try leica try leica camera try leica and i hit them up and they sent me a camera to use for the video which is awesome so my first experience learning a new camera system which is way better than the older canon didn't have any sort of autofocus for video but this one did which is very helpful i learned how to use a gimbal which is a very frustrating thing to learn your first time off but uh i got it and um you know rented a gimbal went over to to her place and we shot you know different things and and shot the music video and i did all the scenes of her i didn't do any of the the dolls and puppets and stuff that are in the video that are so awesome but yeah all the shots of her were just you know me with a gimbal over a, a bathtub or you know set up in, in uh with a black background that's just so what's a gimbal <laughs> yeah a gimbal a gimbal yeah. is um it's like kind of a thing that holds your camera and you move it like this, but the camera ah. kind of stays still, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. Yeah. I actually have a cell phone gimbal next to me. I can show you what a gimbal looks like. Oh, good for it. There we go. This is essentially oh, what a gim gimbal is. But imagine it like four times the size for a camera. Amazing. Okay, so it's like the camera just sits still and you get like, yeah, that's amazing. Exactly. So I could have it facing down, facing her, and I could bring it up and over. So it's like, you know, if you see any of the shots in the video, that's how it's done with the gimbal. Incredible. So obviously, I want to talk to you about your books in a minute, but I feel it's important we talk a bit about your friendship with Ash for New Year's Day because you guys seem really close. You seem to be doing so much together. So you said you met them early on in their career. How is it you two became so close? So through seminar, actually, I did my first West Coast photo seminar at a place called Soundcheck Hollywood, which unfortunately no longer exists. It was a record store owned by Ash from Sumerian Records. And uh, Mick from 18 Visions worked there. So it's like, cool, awesome. And I didn't know where I was going to do my first seminar. And they were just like, yeah, do it here. And I was like, do you have a band that might want to be the band for the seminar? And they're like, yeah, we have this band we started working with called New Year's Day. And this is before they were signed to Century Media. Um, early on, like years ago, they did a record, I think, on TVT, which is like a pop punk kind of record. And they were on Warped Tour kind of thing, but they weren't like gothy. They were kind of like, you know, it wasn't really them, mm. if, if that makes sense. It wasn't yeah. their personality as much as their new stuff is. Um, so I didn't know them back then, but they kind of stopped and reinvented themselves and victim to villain is kind of the start of all that, but this is well before victim to villain. So this is before that came out and, you know, they were just the special guests for the seminar and I roll up wearing a Michael Jackson thriller shirt and Ash is like, is that a thriller shirt? Oh my God, Michael Jackson is my favorite. And then we said something like the same exact thing 
I forget, like that scene in Step Brothers, where we said something <laughs> about Michael Jackson at the same exact time. And then we said something else about like an, another Michael Jackson fact at the same exact time. And then we stopped and we're like, oh my God, are we best friends now? What happened? <laughs> and, uh, and we legitimately became best friends because like Michael Jackson, horror movies, we love all the same stuff and we're into all the same stuff. So we were always like, you know, on the same wavelength. And when it came time to do the photos for their first album on Century Media, which was Victim the Villain, they had me on to shoot it. And yeah, from there, we just loved creating stuff together. We loved working together because I'll come up with an idea, she'll shoot, she'll come up with a bunch of ideas and I'll shoot and we just collaborate so often and do so many different things. One of the cool things uh, that the Till Death book came before we really knew each other too, too well. It was after Victim to Villain, but, um, you know, you do a couple shoots with the band, you kind of know them, but not super, super well. Uh, it was one of those things where she tweeted, um, men are like slinkies, they're more fun when you push them downstairs. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> we should do a photo shoot of that. That's awesome. No, wait, we should do like 10 photo shoots of different concepts. No, wait, we should do a full book like that. And like legit 10 days later, she was on a plane to my house and we'd written out all these ideas. And for the next like two weeks, we shot a book and it came out like a couple months later. It was one of those like, let's do this. Like, where in the universe does that ever happen? I've never done that before. She's never done that before. You know, she stayed on my couch rewatching from hell 7,000 times every night. And every morning we would get up, do some special effects, do the photo shoot, have Chris from Jenna Torturers come in and, you know, ruin his life in multiple ways, multiple times over and over and over and over again. And yeah, and the book came out and it was so much fun. That's and, amazing. Yeah, yeah, we just continue working together, continue being close friends and, you know, it's awesome. She rules. She's an amazing human being. She's super does, proud I've, of her. Yeah. I've heard really good things. New Year's Day are incredible. I was listening to them before, while I was doing my questions for this. They're such a good band. Absolutely. So Daughters of Darkness, I mm -hmm. love the concept behind this book. It's brilliant. But for those okay. unaware, please tell us what is the book about? Okay, so it's a book I've worked on for 12 years. And the concept, well, to, to bring it down to its most basic form, it's a bunch of fine art photos of women wearing only corpse paint. And that brings me back to when I first got into metal, first got into black metal and extreme metal. The things that really got me to buy an album when not knowing the band, not knowing the band name, but seeing the album art, I was like, oh, this album art's so cool. I'm going to check out this band by buying the record. And a lot of that came to do with like, you know, some like really, really cool scene, uh, nude women all bloody or corpse painted up or, you know, anything like that. Uh, and then also pushing the envelope with bands like Marduk, Satyricon, Cradle of Filth, like think of any cradle of filth merch from back then it was always that you know pushing the envelope kind of nude shot of a woman all gothy and all evil looking or in corpse paint stuff like that and i was always really into that kind of aesthetic of something can be you know beautiful but evil really creepy and dark but stunningly beautiful and gorgeous and that's kind of what black metal is like if you listen to black metal especially like bands like Cradle of Filth, bands like Demu Borgir, who have the the keyboards and the really pretty kind of lines in them, you kind of have that, oh, this is really evil black metal, but it's also really beautiful. You have that duality. Um, 
and especially with the romanticism and like the vampiric romance kind of stuff with Cradle, absolutely. But then you get bands like Satyricon where it's like Mother North video where there's this beautiful nude woman dancing and she's the embodiment of, you know, Mother North, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, so I was doing a photo shoot years and years and years after, you know, I got into metal when I was like 12. So I was into all this stuff forever. And I was doing a photo shoot with a model wearing corpse paint for a t-shirt design. And she was a fan of black metal, as was I. So we did the the shoot for the t-shirt, but then we shot a whole bunch of other stuff and we dug it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I really like this aesthetic. It reminds me of, you know, wearing the Marduk shirts, buying the Cradle of Filth, Tristania, you know, Theater of Tragedy records, all that kind of stuff. I should do a series of this. Maybe I'll do like five or 10 photo shoots. And a year later, I was like 50 shoots deep. So it was definitely something I was into. And it was something I could do when I needed time off from band photo shoots. You know, you get burnt out if you just do one thing over and over and over again. So I always had this one kind of back end project kind of strung through my career that I would do anytime I had time off. And so over 12 years, I shot it with models from all over the world. And it finally came out in October, which is awesome. Absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I have to check that out. I've, I've not seen it. I've seen you do the, all the posts for it and you did signings, I think, as well. Um, yeah. But I'm definitely, definitely going to have to check that out and have, have a look at that. So how do you go approaching the models to this one? How do you get into this conversation? So I want to take a picture of you naked wearing corpse paint. So what you guys may not know is, aside from band photography, I'm also well known for fine art nude photography, not so much in mm. America way more in Europe. Oh, okay. I'm, no, I'm in I'm in books all over, like um, comp books where, you know, you'll have this book of fine art nude photographs, but it has like 30 photographers in there. I'm in a, a bunch of those, but I never get published in the US because they don't really have that. They have kind of the more extreme this, the more, you know, censored that. Um, so when the first shoot hit and I put out the first few shoots when I did them, I was like, okay, this is what I'm working on immediately black metal fans hit me up who are models black metal fans who wanted to be involved with it who aren't models and then models who are just like yes i need to be a part of this i i love dark throne and immortal and this is awesome yes i love this aesthetic get me in this project and it just kept going and going and going i didn't really have to seek anybody out they just kind of were like yeah i want to be a part of it and anyone i showed the project to who might not have seen it were like yeah i, I would love to shoot with you for that because I always have models hit me up, hey, I'd love to shoot with you. Let me know what you're working on. And I'll be like, okay, well, this is what I'm working on. And they'll shoot for it. Which is awesome. Do you get, do you get approached quite a lot by loads of different people? Mm -hmm. Have you had a lot of, have you had any like, really weird ones, like really weird requests for you, like in the, dis, in the bins, delete, see you later? Um, I definitely had a band that was kind of a local band around here hit me up and this was years ago and they asked me how much I would pay them to do a photo shoot with them um and I was like um you know these are my rates for doing a photo shoot and they're like well you pay you know how can you pay my chem and Megadeth and Metallica we're not that big you know we won't charge you as much as they charge you to shoot them and I'm like homies that no 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 that's no but that was probably the the strangest like 
what? <laughs> <You know. laughs> I love that. I love uh, the idea they think your just... rates are for you to pay them. That's amazing. <laughs> exactly. They wanted me to pay them more than I was charging them. <laughs> I was like, these are my rates to do a photo shoot. And they're like, we think we deserve more than that. I'm like, you you can pay me more. What? It, it took a minute. They're not a band anymore. I can't imagine why, but. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, no, I, I usually don't get a lot of, you know, strange requests or anything. I, I have my, my guidelines of what I will and won't do. There are some bands I won't work with and I'm, I'm very clear to as to why, um, you know, if you're a homophobic band, I'm not going to work with you. If yeah, you're a yeah. band, I'm not going to work with you. Um, if you're like a super problematic band in any negative way, like in those ways, I'm not going to work with you. Uh, same thing with models, same thing with, you know, anything like that. Yeah. But beyond that, I'm pretty just like, you know, I'll work with anyone who wants to work with me. Let's, let's do that. Let's create something awesome. That's beautiful. Um, I have one question as well. So you have a ridiculously huge, insane Funko Pop collection. Yes. Absolutely. I love Why them. are you selling it? Um, so I'm only selling doubles. Okay. So from what I read, I was just like, look at this entire collection I have. Now let's get rid of it. <laughs> See, See that that that's something a lot of people don't understand is um one of my biggest biggest hobbies I'd, I'd say my biggest hobby is collecting Funkos and collecting records and collecting DVDs and being a collector of too many things, um, but every weekend I would be at po- something called a pop swap, so okay. think of it like a flea market but for Funko collectors only. Everybody comes with their table, they set up all their Funkos, and you buy, sell, and trade. And so when you buy a Funko. You would buy, you know, two or three at a time because you know someone else will want it or like, oh, ah, man, my friend Jerry would, he needs this carnage. So I'm going to buy two. So I have one for me and one for him. And then there's other times where like, for example, the Venomized collection, which is like Venomized Loki, Venomized Thanos, Phantom. Yeah. I got the whole collection complete. Then they came out with 12 more. So I got those. Then they came out with 12 more and I'm like, I give up. I'm getting rid of all these Venomized. I'm not going to continue buying every single venom version of every marvel character and every now and again i i i kind of purge some of my collection to make room for more because it they're little pops but once you have thousands of them it's no longer little it takes up your entire house i had to get another house because of funko (laughs) (laughs) my apartment was too small and i'm like i'm running out of room because of funkos we need to get a uh, we need to move to a bigger house so I can fit my Funko collection. And it was kind of a joke when I started looking, but like I found this perfect house that I live in now. And I actually closed down my studio. My studio is in my house now. So I don't have an external studio anymore. And I found a house that one, fit my Funko collection, two, fit my studio. And, you know, three had everything I need. My partner's disabled, so it has way less stairs. It barely has any stairs, so it's much better for her. And perfect. yeah, it was just a perfect house. And I'm like, perfect. I can fit my Funko collection here. Let's do this. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> Already. <laughs> um, dude, it's a problem. Funkos take up so much room. And uh, so that that's why I'm selling a bunch, because I have all these ones I have for pop swaps and there are no pop swaps you know it's covid so pop oh, swaps are not yeah happening. yeah so due to covid i have all these pops just sitting here and i'm like you know there's not going to be a pop swap for quite some time i might as well just purge them and so i'm selling those 
and getting more pops at the same time. You know, it's it's a it's a thing. Oh, <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> you struggle finding chase ones because I thought chases are quite hard to find, aren't they? Uh, sometimes they it now? depends on what they are. Okay. It's always different. Sometimes they're one in six. Sometimes they're one in thirty-six. Sometimes there's exclusives where they only print like a thousand or five hundred of them, and those are really hard to find. But um, I'm very specific on what I collect. I won't buy every Funko. Like I'm not a anime guy, so I don't buy anime Funkos. Um, I'm definitely not a sports guy, so I don't have any sports Funkos. Um, (laughs) You know, I collect the stuff that I'm into. And the unfortunate thing is, I'm into a lot of stuff, and they have Funkos for all of them. So it's just kind of like, homie, stop. Like forever I had, they for Transformers, I'm a huge Transformer nerd. They only had the ones from the new movies. I'm like, cool, I have a complete Funko collection. And then they just released the generation one, like 80s cartoon version of Transformer Ooh. Pops. And <sighs> I have all of them, of course, because I have to. Of course. Yeah, you know, I was just like, now I have to redo the wall and move these here and move these here. So, you know, Optimus can be next to Optimus because he has to be with, you know, and Megatron can be with Megatron. Important. Boss. That's how it works. It's your it's record collection the same. So it's like albums that came. So it's like one band in particular. Their albums have to be in order when they release. This is alphabetical by order. Same with my DVD wall, which is about 10 times the size of this. My DVD oh. wall is bigger than my Funko wall. I have like 5,000 DVDs. Dude, that's incredible. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. And then I also have a collection of life-size horror figures around my TV. I have about 40 or 50 of them. I don't know if you guys have seen that meme where like, what would you do if you woke up in this living room and it's like the nun, Pennywise, all those things. Yeah. I get tagged in that every single day and they're like, they're just like this is not even half of your collection they should see yours i'm like yeah they, they kind of eh, is what it is how would you move around your house <laughs> there's been Sorry? no floor space how do how the hell do you walk around your house there's been no floor oh. space at all because of funko but you know <laughs> I, I, we just move the funkos around as needed it's kind of like a funko hoarders kind of situation sideways <laughs> shuffles <laughs> yeah. yeah but but that is to, to answer the original question, the reason we're selling him is to have more room. Okay. Or more Funkos. Yeah, he wants to go follow Jeremy Saffer, go follow him and go buy some Funkos. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I, I wanted to ask earlier as well, you, you know, we've noticed that you've worked with musicians, actors, there's so many. Are there any dream clients you've had, someone you really want to get in front of the camera that you've just not been able to? So there's a lot of people I've shot live that I've not done photo shoots with that I would love to. But I always keep a bucket list. And the coolest thing in the universe is when you can take someone from that bucket list and add them to like your list of accomplishments. The worst thing is when you got to take them off the bucket list because they've passed away. But um, for me, like atop my bucket list is to do a a Metallica band shoot rather than individual photos of them. Uh, Ozzy, doing a photo shoot with Ozzy would be amazing. Elvira as Elvira. Uh, Henry Rollins would be really cool. Um, a lot of things I want to do are just very specific ideas. Like I would love to work with Lori Petty. She's awesome. I would want to do a Lori Petty as tank girl, you know, her dress as tank girl would be the coolest thing in the universe. Like very specific things like that are on my bucket list that will probably never come to fruition, but you know, fingers crossed one day, but essentially any band I haven't worked with is on that list of people I want to work with. 
being a Funko collector, it's kind of like, oh, same thing with photos. And that's how I got into photography, being a collector. So I was the kid at the end of shows where I would wait by the tour bus to get all my CDs signed by the band, right? Hmm. You know, there's there's people like that. There, there's plenty of them. You all <laughs> collect autographs. You collect, you know, getting your photo taken with bands. And then you think of, okay, what's a more unique thing that no one else has? Oh, these people in front of me who are taking pictures of the band, they're getting these photos of the band that no one else has. That's really cool. How can I do mm. that? Then I, I learned how to do that. Okay, so everyone next to me are also getting photos of the band, just like I'm getting. How can I get something more exclusive that no one else is getting? Photo shoots with the band. Absolutely exclusive. Collector <laughs> mentality. I love it. I That's amazing. Love it. Right. Tom, have you got any more questions before we move on? One more. Did you ever think that your life would turn out the way it has? Did you ever think you'd be where you are today? Oh, no way. I mean, the, the original idea was to be a guitarist or, you know, a producer, something in music. So, yeah. you know, photography was never, you know, the trajectory when I was younger. It just happened. Um, but it's really cool because I grew up with all these photos of bands on my walls, like my walls didn't exist. It was just photos from Hit Parader, from Circus, from Metal Hammer, from Metal Edge, from Metal Maniacs, just wall to wall photos. If there was ever an inkling of fire, I was doomed. But uh, you know, that, 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 that's how my walls are. And that's how a lot of kids who are into music, their walls are like that. And all of those photos on my wall are bands I've worked with for the most part. And it's really cool seeing other people post their photos with their walls covered and my photos are on their walls and they're getting into photography and they're like, these photos are why I'm into photography, which is really, really cool. You're That's like amazing. inspiring the next generation yeah. to have, you know, to look back in 10 years and see their photos on the walls of, of people, you know, that's always a really, really cool thing. It's beautiful. And you're teaching them as well. Absolutely. Got beautiful, it. man. Love it. Absolutely love it. Right. Before we get out of here, because we are almost done, we will let you go soon. <laughs> we like to play a little game with our guests. We call it the quick fire round. It's just a bunch of questions. You answer them as quick as you can. It's very, very silly, but we enjoy it. So, you know. I will do my best as least Dory as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no Dory involved. Don't worry. You're fine. <laughs> For example, question number one Your favorite Power Ranger? Favorite Power Ranger? Green Ranger, because he's Green Ranger and White Ranger. Yes. Tommy. Yes. So, so it's Billy for me. He's a Billy fan. Billy's awesome. And then the Pink Ranger, Amy Jo Johnson, because she did that pop album, which was really good, and she should have continued doing music. Don't know why she didn't. She was awesome. Maybe yeah, she's an album. I can check that out as well. Yeah, yeah it's she's good. Did. It's it's actually good. Yeah. Oh, sick. Your favorite chocolate slash candy bar? Um, probably Snickers. I'm not much for chocolate or candy. Really? Being a diabetic doesn't help the cause. Ah. But, but Sorry, No, no, it's all good. Before diabetes, I also wasn't a big uh, candy guy. Like Snickers is okay, but I'm not a big, big, big candy or chocolate guy. Not ever. Fair enough. First ever gig you went to? First gig I went to when I was really, really young was New Kids on the Block, but the first metal nice. gig was Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Suicidal Tendencies, Danzig. Holy shit. <laughs> I think I've heard of them. Show. I knew Enter Sandman. That's all I knew. I was so young. But, yeah. So I enter. They played the Sandman song. I was stoked. 
Um, who would play you in the movie of your life? Oh God! Um, yeah, like I wish <laughs> he would have to gain like seventy pounds for the role minimally, <laughs> and like shrink five feet. I I don't know. Kevin James with a beard? I have no idea. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Uh, take more chances and don't hesitate in doing things you want to do because there's so many times that held me back. Like, for example, I was on OzFest and I never even shot Ozzy on Ozfest because I never asked to. And I never and, and I know you're not supposed to because you're not the approved Ozzy photographer. You know, I was shooting the bands I was supposed to shoot. And I would just do that and go about my day. I never would, okay, I should shoot System of a Down every night. I should try to shoot Ozzy every night. I never took those chances. And those are chances I regret not taking. Who knows what the future might hold, sir. So. Oh yeah. Hmm. And last but not least, and the answer to this question all depends if we even release this episode, to be honest with you. Fair. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? Oh, yeah. That's oh, been nice knowing you, Jeremy. <laughs> nah. All right. So let me tell you what it's about. It's about Hawaiian pizza with barbecue sauce, spicy barbecue sauce as the base. It Ooh. is amazing. Spicy barbecue sauce with ham and pineapple on a pizza. Mmm. It doesn't okay. have the red sauce on it. It just has, uh, you know, barbecue sauce instead of red sauce. Interesting. Interesting. I hate, I um, hate and this has us both intrigued. You, you got to try it with spicy. If you like spicy food, spicy yeah. buffalo, uh, spicy buffalo, spicy barbecue. If you don't like spicy, sweet barbecue sauce. Sweet barbecue sauce as the base with ham, bacon, pineapple. Mm. Okay. I'm going to so trust good. you. <laughs> <laughs> see how, how it turns out. But yeah, just, it's, it's just fruit and, and savory. It's just weird. It's just a weird combination to me. It's it's definitely an uh, interesting duality. I do like regular, you know, Hawaiian pizza. But yeah. once I tried it with spicy barbecue, I'm like, this is a different game. <laughs> this is a different game. Someone changed the game and made it better. Like, <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Okay. I am fat. I know good food. Fat food. <laughs> <He knows good. laughs> I think we should have to make one of these and we'll we'll try it on our YouTube channel to see how it goes. Yeah. The barbecue sauce makes it. It makes it so much better. I'm intrigued. Jeremy, this has been so much fun. You have been it's honestly truly inspirational because you know your story is amazing and your attitude on life just absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for doing this. It means the world. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Not at all. Jeremy, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Before we get out of it, just quickly, any social medias, websites, anything you want to plug, tell people to go throw their money at anything. Uh, sure. So all my socials are just at Jeremy Saffer. So my website's jeremysaffer.com. Instagram and Facebook are just slash Jeremy Saffer. Um, if you want to get the book, it's available on pretty much every bookseller, uh, every bookseller's website, like Amazon, Barnes and Noble. But if you go to daughtersofdarknessbook.com, you can get limited edition, signs editions, uh, the edition that comes with the vinyl soundtrack we got to put together, which was awesome. 
Um, and I have a Patreon if you want to learn from me during COVID. That's where I'm posting all my kind of behind the scenes and breakdowns, which is patreon.com slash Jeremy Saffer. Incredible. Amazing. Thank you so much for doing this again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Take care, buddy. Thanks, you too. Thanks for having me. No worries. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. See ya. Hey there, this is Ron Wasserman, and you are listening to The Chronicles of Podcast. Wait a minute, that's probably a copyright violation. Never mind, strike it.